0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Boys, so glad to see you this morning at Warehouse Church. How many you know who sang that song? Beach Boys, very, very good. We're starting our summer series today called Summer of Love. And we're gonna be going, last year we did our summer series um, called Summer Playlist, and this year's summer series called Summer Playlist, Summer of Love. So if you wanna help us and you have a great song that you know is a summer song, a little bit of a love theme in there, Email that song to hello at warehousechurch.com. And if we pick one of your songs, that was one. There's nine more to go. We're doing a 10-week series on this. There's nine more to go. If we pick one of your songs, I'll send, I'll send you a Starbucks gift card this week, okay? So if we pick one of your cards, send that to us, Starbucks gift card. If you don't like Starbucks, I don't know what to tell you. You'll just have to give it to a friend, okay? But uh, we're, we're going through the book of First John. And this is such a great, great book uh, you're going to be picking up some good vibrations, if you will, as we uh, go through that, right? How, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever seen or currently watch great, great family value show called The King of Queens? Raise your hand up in the air. I like The King of Queens. I, I'm i kind of a second, and believe it I know I was a, an extreme adult when it first came out, but I didn't really start watching it until it came out on reruns, and I just... I feel like I identify with Doug. You know, you know what I'm saying? That dude right there, I just get him. I get his struggles. It's, it's. We we crack up. My wife and I. That's kind of our wind down before we go to sleep at night. The TV is on, and it always turns off during King of Queens. Right? There's an episode, and it's in the beginning, like a, in the beginning, like a prefix part of the show, where Doug, the UPS guy or IPC, whatever he is calls his wife, whose name is Carrie. Now, this is very relevant. If you haven't seen the show, this is big, big information I'm going to share with you this morning, okay? And they're talking about something superfluous, nothing really, really that important. He goes, okay, honey, all right, I'll talk to you later. I love you, bye. She says, okay, I love you, bye. And he kind of scratches his head a little bit, and he calls her back, and he says, hey, do we have to say I love you every time we talk on the phone? Right, Because I kind of feel like we're saying it like the way we say goodbye. And he kind of makes this implication that we're really not saying I love you, but what we're doing is we're extending our goodbye. Is it really a heartfelt I love you? Maybe when we say I love you, it should be a little bit more intentional. And he goes through this whole diatribe, and she says, fine, we don't have to say it every time we talk. Goodbye. He goes, okay, love you, bye. And he says it again, right? And isn't it something, you know, the, the phrase I love you is uh, sometimes we don't, we don't just say it because we want the person who we're trying to sh- express those feelings to to hear it. Sometimes we say it hoping that somebody will say it back. You track with me? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'll, and I'll say it to my wife at a question, something, hey, hey, honey, I love you. <laughs> Waiting for that response, oh, I love you too, you big hunk of burning love. That's what I'm hoping, you know, that she'll say to me. But it's interesting that almost becomes a codependency statement, right? You're saying it so that somebody will say it to you. But then again, you say it because you mean it, right? I know there's heartfelt, I love yous all the time. We went to a beautiful wedding last night. Oh, man, love was in the air. It was all kind of smoochies and huggies. And the wedding was there, and the parents were crying. And uh, it was just, it was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Watching two young, young people give their hearts to each other and following uh, the Lord's leadership in their life was beautiful, and it's just a neat thing to watch that, right? And you kind—I'm of, sitting with my wife, and we're watching the wedding, and Madison is sharing her vows, and her hubby sharing her vows, I'm giving her a little squeeze, and she looks at me and she says, "It's 96 degrees, really," <laughs> right? So the to the hug and kind of stop there. But I I can remember distinctly when my kids were little, and I do this for my grandkids even today when they would lay on on my shoulder and I would pat them on the back, I would just repeat it over and over again. Pop loves you. Pop loves you. You're going to be awesome when you grow up. You're going to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Pop loves you. Like really, really important things like that, right? Connected to it. But I say it because I want them to know. I want it to be ingrained into them. And and Logan, my oldest granddaughter, will say, I'll say, hey, Logan, I love you. And she'll say, pop, who do you love the most? Because there's other grandkids here. And I used to be the only one. And there's other people in this world now. Who do you love the most? And I'll say, well, baby, you know I love Kiki. That's my wife's grandmom name. I love Kiki the most. She goes, yeah, but you love me the most too. And I said, <laughs> i just wink at her and kind of give her one of those things. But I, lo- I want to say that to her, but you don't say, now listen, if you've been married five years, one year, 30 years, 50 years, whatever, how long have you been with somebody for a long time, Or you have kids, you don't say I love you to them one time and say, well, I already said that, Right? You didn't say it the day you got married, and then 50 years later, do you love me? We, well, why do you need me to say that? I told you that 50 years ago, right? No, we, we like that affirmation. We like that communication. About, we like expressing, you know, not everybody enjoys doing it, but all of us at some level like to know how the people we love feel about us. And, and I'm just gonna shoot you straight. That's kind of what 1 John is about. That's what this book is that we're gonna be reading about uh, throughout the summer. Uh, it's a love letter written by John, um, John and, and, you know, when, when John wrote this letter, John wasn't in the greatest place in his life. He had already seen all the words and works of Jesus Christ, we'll talk about that in a second. John was exiled to an island called Patmos, and he had just suffered a terrible, terrible torture. He was boiled, he survived, and then they sent him out to this island, kind of to live the rest this island known as the Island of Scorpions. Not a great place to live, right? But well, while he was there, he wrote the book of Revelation, wrote some of the other books that he wrote in the Bible, and he wrote some things in his letters and the books of the Bible, not just for the early church. Now, understanding this, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, his books were directed specifically towards called out New Testament churches, right? He wrote a book to the Romans. First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, the church at Galatia, the church at Ephesus, the church at Philippi, the church at Colossae, so on and so forth, the church at Corinth, talked about all these local churches. Paul was a big local church guy. Now John is not different than Paul in the fact that he's not local church, but what he is, he's addressing everybody that knows Jesus Christ as Savior, right? So this book was not only relevant to the local church back you know, in 100 AD, if you will, this church, this book is relevant to you and I today. You see, John, as, as Jesus' disciple, he was known as a disciple that was closest to the heart of Jesus. Uh, he was one of the inner three. There was Peter, James, and John. These guys were the ones that were kind of, you know, you have your, you had your disciples, then, then he had kind of his his inner three that he kind of kept close to him. Those guys went up to Jesus, went with Jesus up on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw Jesus' glorified body. These guys were called into the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying, lamenting over his impending crucifixion. You guys stand here, pray, stand guard, watch for me. You guys got my back, right? I love it this morning. My friend Zach, who's out in the hallway, who comes to church sometimes with his pretty girlfriend who's sitting in the second row this morning, right? But he says to me every Sunday, he says, Pastor, I got your back. I got your back. And he's out there as one of our security guys keeping our whole, our whole facility safe while we're in church. So when you see Zach after church day, give him a little bit of an attaboy and tell him thank you. But, but you know, when, when you have somebody that's close to you like that, right, you get to know them a little bit better than other people do. Um, and Paul, I mean, excuse me, the Apostle John knew Jesus. You remember a few weeks ago, when my wife spoke on Mother's Day, she talked about John and John's role in Jesus' life. She talked about how Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to John when Jesus was just about to be crucified. He said to John, this is now your mother. He said to his mom, mom, this is now your son. I can't take care of you anymore. Now, they thought he was going to die, die. They didn't understand he was going to die, resurrect, and then head back up into heaven 40 days after that. But John was somebody who was very, very close to Jesus. He had a very, he was kind of a sensitive guy. He was the sensitive, he wasn't like Peter, cutting people's ears off, making these big brash statements, right? John was a, he was a guy, he he was like a sensitive heart guy. So let me ask you all a question this morning. How many of you would identify with Peter more? A little more brash, a little bit more of a swashbuckler, you're not afraid to say how you feel, raise your hand up in the air. How many sensitive souls like me identify with John a little bit more, okay? That's how I am too big, big, big cry baby. So John writes this book, and here's the purpose of this letter. I'm just giving you a little bit of introduction before we read 1 John uh, chapter 1, first couple verses. Um, he re- There's two specific purposes for this letter, okay? Number one, John is exposing false teaching with, listen church, this is, this is significant, by sharing the authority that disproves the false teaching, Okay, this right here, what we read out of every single week in our church, this is what we teach, this is what gets read in our life groups every single week, this is the authority for who we are as Warehouse Church, it's God's holy inspired word, the Bible. Somebody say amen. Amen. Because what I talk about really doesn't matter right? If I were to come up here and share sports opinions, you already know that doesn't matter. If I were to share, even if I share with you personal family stuff, just to try to get you to identify with a little bit of the things we're talking about, those things are okay. But nothing's more important that we talk about on Sunday morning or in any kind of gathering that you have than God's holy, inspired, preserved, relevant, real truth, the word of God. Somebody say amen. We need this book. We need this book because there is a lot of false teaching specifically about Jesus Christ in our world today. This was relevant back when John wrote the letter in about 100 AD. People were saying things about, he's not resurrected. He's this, he's this. We're not this, we're that. There was all kind of different. You know what they, the other thing that they believed in the early church, well, in order for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, You need to become a Jew first, then get circumcised, then accept Jesus Christ as Savior, then get baptized, and they baptize in salt water. How'd you like to get baptized in salt water two days after circumcision? Owie, right? You say, why are you saying that? Because there were people teaching that. There were people teaching that the only way to Jesus Christ is through Judaism, then Jesus, and then to God. And the Bible says in the book of Titus, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, You can't do good stuff to earn favor with God. It's according to his mercy that he saves that. How do we know that? From the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth, God's inspired word. So he was refuting false teaching by shit. Now listen, it's one thing to say I don't believe in that. You know, I said this about, you know, the whole gun conversation that people have. And it's interesting to me the timing that all that happens, right? Like, I get it, we're in Texas, the stars at night are big and bright, uh, deep in the heart of Texas, I get all that, right? And I'm gonna tell you right now, I have a gun, not on my person, okay? (laughs) I do own a gun, I have one in my house, I have a license to carry, my wife and I went to classes, we wanna be responsible gun owners. But for people that don't wanna own guns, I'm not a hater. The people that are anti-gun, I wanna love them more than I care about how they feel about gun stuff. Because that doesn't matter. And we base our, well, you know, the, the Second Amendment, and this, this, and this. And all this stuff does divides, 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 right? Hurts the opportunity, church, listen now, that we can have influence in people's lives. Because if we're more wanting people to, you know, well, I'm a, you know, I want people to know that I believe. Well, why don't you tell them what you believe in about Jesus first, right? And share them love. Because you know what? It's okay if people vote differently than us. Because I guarantee you, not everybody in this room votes the same way, right? We just don't, and it's okay. What matters is how we view and understand and receive the teaching of the word of God, right? So he exposes false teaching with authoritative truth, right? And that's the best strategy, the best strategy is it to say, well, I, dif- I disagree with all these Judaizers because I just don't like the way they treated Jesus when he was here on the earth, and he's done. Now, he doesn't say that. What he says is, "There's Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. The only way that you and I can have a relationship with God is because Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a perfect life, preached great messages, performed amazing miracles, and died on his own volition, so that he would pay for every sin that you committed and every sin that I committed and every sin that everybody in the whole world ever committed. And that if we accept that substitutionary death for payment of our sin and ask Jesus to be our savior, we are his children forever. Amen. Come on with that action, right? And Paul, and excuse me, and John not only shares the, the, uh, te- uh, that, that exposing false teaching with authoritative strategic lessons out of 1 John. Here's the second thing he does at 1 John. This is so significant I just love this. He teaches us the assurance of that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Now I don't know about you I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was 12 years old in church. My mom took us to You know, I wasn't like the kids, like, oh I get to go to church and put my tie on, right? I was a kid who was like, no I want to stay home and play football. Rah! My mom was like, phew we're going to church. I'm like, all right, I'm going to church, right? Times were different 50 years ago. We can just say that, okay? So my mom would take me kicking and screaming to church. I didn't want to go to church. So because I didn't want to be in church, I would sit there like this the whole time. You ain't teaching me nothing. I want no- But God got a hold of my heart when I was 12. And I'm going to tell you this. I believe that kids 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 years old can accept Christ as Savior. I think the expectation of a changed life at 10 years old is a little bit much. You know, well, yeah, I'm 10, accepted Christ as my savior. I'm not going to the whorehouses anymore. I quit smoking weed, you know what I mean? I just got my life back together again. That doesn't happen when you're 10, okay? When you're 10, it's like, well, maybe I could start obeying the Lord right now, but you're not, you're not fully changed and, 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 and mature in the Lord from the word of God. You just know that Jesus died. If I ask him to be my savior, I'm gonna have a relationship with him forever and spend forever in heaven, that's a pretty good gig sounding thing when you're 10 years old, right? But when you get older, you start to understand it, right? You understand life, the brevity of life, you know, and, and, and things and the reality of life. And when I was about 22, 23 years old, man, I started to doubt the fact that I was saved huge because I wasn't living right. I was making bad decisions. I wasn't being a good husband. I wasn't being a good dad. I wasn't doing the things that I needed to do. And, God's, and I know I was saved because God's Holy Spirit was just just convicting me so strongly and drawing me back to him. But I was just wrestling with it. I just felt like I was wrestling with God every single day. And I just remember the fact of saying, I can't be doing all the stuff that I'm doing and still be saved. And that doubt thing is exactly where Satan wanted me. Just doubting it. Because here's what we do. When we don't feel saved, because you know, everybody's hooked on a feeling. You know, if we could sell feelings with spiritual decisions, we would pack this place out and have to expand every single week. People love the feels. Hey, come to our church. You will feel better, right? We, we would love to be able to tell you that. But here's the truth. Your salvation's not based on feelings, right? Because you know what our feelings do? My feelings betray me all the time, right? Like uh, yesterday at the wedding, they had really good food. Two nights, we had good food twice this week. We had, we had meatballs and, and uh, sausages. Oh, I'm star hungry right now. We had meatball and sausage with our interns, who we're going to introduce to you in just a few minutes. And last night we had brisket and sausage. And one of the th- now, some of you people that aren't from the Northeast, I'm going to tell you a little secret with food, with us, with, with the people from the Northeast. When there are meatballs on the table and there are sausage on the table, there are also rolls. And what you do is you take that meat and you put it inside the roll and you eat it as a sandwich. Everybody that came to our meal the other night was putting meatballs and stuff on their on their bread on their plate, and they were carrying the rolls separate from their meatballs. You're supposed to put the meatballs in the rolls. Haven't y'all ever heard of a meatball sandwich before? Every graduation, birthday, bar mitzvah, everything up in Philadelphia, that's how you eat meatballs, okay? It's really good information for you. But man, last night, again, we had rolls. I can't eat rolls, so I didn't eat rolls the other night. I was good. Last night, man, they had really good rolls. I was like, oh man, I want a a piece of bread so bad. And my body was telling me, "It's, it's one roll. Is it that big of a deal, right? And then you get the next one. One piece of chocolate cake. Seriously, is that a big deal? Because I could take a little bit of extra this and offset this, and we have all these. And, and don't we do things to justify our feelings sometimes? Yeah. Right, my wife's not. I can explain my way out of this later. She's not gonna care that big of a deal. I can stay up, you know, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And the same thing happens in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me talk to you this morning about the undeniable proof of Jesus Christ. So let's look together in 1 John we're going to be in 1 John for a big chunk of the summer. So if you have a Bible, bring your Bibles to church. We're going to be in 1 John. I'm going to be reading uh, during this study, the New King James Version. I read, per- someone had this conversation with somebody after church last week. You were reading New King James today. What do, is that what you read for your pr- private Bible time? I said, no, I read the New Living Translation because it's a little easier. The English is a little easier to understand. But I like reading uh, the New King James on different Bible studies that I do. So that's what I'm going to be reading during this study. So 1 John 1, first couple verses, God's holy, inspired, preserved, relevant, awesome, we need it, like nobody's business, word says this, that which was formed from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon, with our hands have handled concerning the word of life, this life was manifested, and we have seen it, we bear witness, we declare it to you, that eternal life was with the Father and was given to us that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And here's why I'm writing these things to you, so that your joy would be full, okay? So, so, so John here shares some undeniable proof of the existence of Jesus Christ. You say, is this going to be a history lesson today? No, because this is going to like pop us right in the, right in the jaw This morning with some super-duper relevance. So hang in there with me for about five minutes, and I'm going to get to the part where we're going to apply this to our life, okay? The very first thing to understand is from this passage of Scripture is Jesus, or he, was heard in the beginning. The Bible tells us, and we believe the Bible is true truth. We believe the Bible is exact truth, right? Genesis 1-1, it says, In the beginning, whoever knows this verse, say it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Right? So we understand that. God, right, God made the earth and, and everything that is in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. Listen to what it says in John. This is another book written by the same apostle that wrote this letter. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says this. This is going to sound very familiar with what you just heard out of 1 John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word referring to here in John, in, in, in John chapter 1? Jesus Christ, okay? Jesus is the Word, Okay. So he says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, uh, nothing was made that was made. And then he says here in 1 John 1, 1, that which was from the beginning, which we, right? So that which was from the beginning, Jesus. He was there during creation. We understand the plurality of God in creation. When God said this, let us make man in our own image. He's speaking of himself. Jesus, his son, and the Holy Spirit, who have always existed, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? If you track him with me, say amen. Amen. If you're hungry for brisket, say amen. amen. All right, let's get this going here, right? So, when John is telling us, the guy that was there in the beginning, yeah, I've seen him, I've heard him, I've touched him, I've watched him, I've personally experienced him. He was heard not only in the beginning of time, but I was a part of his life for a very substantial part of time, right? And here's the second thing. Number one is Jesus was heard from the beginning. Number two, Jesus, or he, was fully experienced by the disciples, 1 John 1.1. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we, again, heard, seen with our eyes, we looked at, our hands have handled, which is interesting because in the book of John chapter 20, when doubting Thomas says, I'm not gonna believe in Jesus unless I see the holes in his hands and I thrust my hand into his side. And when Jesus, who saw Thomas in John chapter 20, went up to Thomas and said, hey, give me your hand, bro. I'm sorry, no, give me your hand. See this, touch this. You see this right here? Put your hand up in here. I I am who I said I am, okay? I am risen, I am alive. Of course, Thomas, he falls down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and Jesus says this to him. The only reason you believe it is because you see it, and then he blesses all of us, you ready? Blessed are those who will not see yet still will believe. That's a blessing to you and me, church. So John is talking about here how he fully partook and experienced the life of Jesus Christ. Now, the life of Jesus Christ is his death, his burial, and his resurrection, which is also known as what? The gospel. He was a full partaker of the gospel. He heard him. Like he got to hear Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. He got to hear Jesus give the Beatitudes. He got to hear Jesus rebuke people at the temple. Hey, you guys can't do this and flip the table. He got to see all that stuff, right? He watched him as he healed and he performed all. Can you imagine having a front row seat to the words and works of Jesus Christ? like seeing him heal people, seeing the, just seeing some lady reaching out through a crowd, touching the hem of his garment, believing that that could heal her and her actually being healed from that. And watching all this stuff, just being in awe at Jesus every single day. John says, listen, I'm telling you, he created everything, but I saw it firsthand Every possible way that you could see it, that Jesus was alive. And here's what he's doing, number three. He's giving, this is where it gets really important for you and I this morning. John is giving a testimony of his personal experience with Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, the last thing Jesus says before he levitates up into heaven, right? It says this, but you shall receive power. Jesus says this. All you, all you guys, right? 120 some people that were believers in him, standing around him outside there that day. He said, "You're going to receive power. I got the power. You're going to receive that power, and the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you." They didn't understand that. What do you mean the Holy Ghost is going to come upon us? He told them in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, "I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with you. He's going to guide you in truth." He's gonna help you. He's my helper. He's this, he's this, he's this. And then he says, I'm gonna leave you power. The Holy Ghost is gonna come upon you. Er, er, er. They don't understand all this, right? And he says, because of that, you're gonna be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now that word witness, I've probably said this before, is a judicial term, okay? John was a witness. So what does that mean? Somebody didn't just tell John, man, you should see, This guy named Jesus, he is crazy. And the fame of Jesus spread everywhere, right? People that needed healing wanted to meet Jesus to be healed, right? Remember the guy named Blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10? There was a guy named Blind Bartimaeus. He's begging. He's got a beggar's cloak on. Help me out, help me out, help me out. He's blind. He can't see. Suddenly, here's this crowd, right? And somebody blind that's begging can hear lots of footsteps coming their way. Crowd's coming. I'm going to get some money here. He cries out, hears Jesus is coming. He don't know which way he's coming from. He just knows that Jesus is in the middle of his crowd. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody says, dude, you need to be quiet. He says, what? You're, you're going to tell me to be quiet so I can't get to Jesus? The Bible says he cried even louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, that I might receive my sight. He, he had a personal experience with Jesus. Jesus healed him. He got his sight back. People heard about that because people knew Bartimaeus was blind. John says, I've seen all this stuff. It's crazy. Like all this stuff that you heard, John even said at the end of the book of John, he said, all the stuff that we have seen Jesus say, I've done as much as I could to chronicle it. I've been obedient to the Holy Spirit. I wrote it all down. But here's the deal, guys. There aren't enough volumes in the world to contain all the words and works of Jesus Christ. And that was just in three and a half years during his earthly ministry. We can't even begin to comprehend all that Jesus did. And John's like this, I saw it. I want you to know that I personally experienced it. If I were to get up in court and they were to say to me, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God? I do. Did you see Jesus? Yes. He had a beard. He had this. He looked like this. If, if, if can you have you seen a court show? Uh, can you point him out in the room today? Like he's going to be sitting in the back corner, right? You know he's going to be sitting on the left side of the right side with some dude in a suit, right? So yeah, that's him right there. He's the one. What did he do? Man, he healed. He spoke. He turned this much food into enough food for a whole, for a whole army. He did this. He did this. He, and he what, what, what is he sharing? He's sharing something that he personally experienced. So, so John's sharing this, this letter to you and I with authority because here's, here's the first thing. Just a couple things to think about and I'm going to pray. You ready? John's sharing this with us for this reason. God wants you and I to believe in his son Jesus. You see all that, Ed? You want all that just to say that? Yeah. God wants you. Listen, the Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come into repentance. You know it's God's will for every man and every woman in this room to be saved today? Did you know that? If you're not saved already, he wants you to be saved today. That's his will for your life. Well, how do you know that? Because of, not because of my opinion. Not because I'm wearing a salmon-colored shirt, which some accuse me of wearing pink today. This is salmon, by the way, okay? This ain't pink. Just ease off a little bit. He's, he's telling us this because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. He, he, let, he did something for you that not one of us would ever do for anybody else. He let his son die. Not only did he let his son die, he let his son take every sin that's ever been committed. And maybe we don't fully comprehend the, the, the spiritual significance of this. But he bore it on his body, right? You, you know that guilt. You, you know when you see a little kid that did something wrong, and they kind of give you the because they're bearing that guilt in their life, right? They can't look at you straight. Every bad thing that any of us have ever done was now in the body of Jesus. Now listen to this. And when Jesus bore our guilt and our shame and our sin, the Father had to turn His back on Him because of me, because of you. And John said, I saw all that. I I just kind of believe that if you were sitting with John in a coffee shop or at a restaurant or in your home, it wouldn't be from across the room casual with a cup of tea. I think he would pull up your ottoman like right up to next to where you were sitting and say, I need you to look at me in the face. I need you to hear me. God loves you just the way that you are. He sent his son Jesus to pay for everything that you did wrong. And he did that because we can't have a relationship with God without believing in his son Jesus and what he did for us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, it says in Acts 16, verse number 31. So John wrote this letter that we're going to read about all month long so that you and I will believe in his son Jesus. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. There's only three. Two more points and it's brisket time. Somebody say amen. Amen. God, listen, God wants you to have a full experience with Jesus Christ, a full experience with him. Not just, a, dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me of my sin. Help me live for you in Jesus' name, amen. I got my airline ticket to eternity. It's all good to go. Now I can go do the things that I wanna do. That's not what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. On May 18th, 1985, I stood before my family and Kim's family and a preacher whose name was Alan Pugh, who, believe it or not, is still alive. You can't even believe that, right? And 37 years ago, on May the 18th, I stood before them and I gave my life and my heart to my wife, Kimberly, on that day, right? We've been married for 37 years. And when I made those marriage commitments that day, I didn't say, that was awesome. Hey, I'm gonna go away with my buddies right now and I'll catch you in a couple weeks, Okay. That didn't happen. We, we got married, and we were excited to get married, and we were excited to be together, and we were happy to be together. And I can't say it's been perfect every single day because she's married to me, but it's been perfect for me, right? And we've made that commitment to and I've kept my marriage commitment to her, and she's kept her marriage commitment to me. That doesn't make us any better. That's just what, that's been the road of our life. And that's been very important to us, and the commitment that we made to one another reflected the days that came after The commitment that you make to Jesus Christ, whatever day that you accept him as your personal savior, ought to be reflected the days that follow him. And here's what what takes place. You start to learn about him. That's why the local church is so important. That's why life groups are so important. So you could get in the word and know him better and learn him better and understand him better and fully experience what it means to have answered prayer. Fully experience what it means to have a daily, personal relationship with him, why? Calling out on his name when you're going through stuff. Praying on behalf of other people like we did this morning. Saying to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. You know what? Sometimes just bowing your head and having a moment with God and not saying anything but just trying to listen to him a little bit. You say, what are you talking about, dude? That sounds a little uh, new agey. No, it's not. Because he says, be still and know that I am God in Psalm chapter 41. Why does he say that to us? Because he wants... Listen, he didn't just die so that you'd be safe forever. He desires a relationship with you. A relationship means there's communication. A relationship means there's dependence. A relationship means there's trust. A relationship means you have to say you're sorry every once in a while. Right, Ben? Amen, right? <laughs> right, Ed? Right, every husband in the room, right? It just, That's what it means, right? So because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Paul said this, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? You're going into these deep, super spiritual, long conversations with God. No, it just means when you're driving down the road. Hey God, help me to honor you today with the way that I drive. Hey God, help me when I go into this meeting to keep my eyes focused on you. Hey God, help me to resist this temptation because this is a little more than I'm kinda mentally prepared for right now. God, help me when I go into this situation today to be a blessing. That's what prayer without ceasing means, and why do you do that? Because Jesus wants you to experience him fully in your life. Here's the last thing, and I'm done. God wants us, back to that judicial term, to be witnesses and share your personal experience with others about Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. We have visitors in our church this morning. If you're, if you're super glad we have first-time guests in our church say let them know that, Okay. <laughs> I'm just guessing you came to come to an awesome church, and the bonus is you're getting barbecue after church. That's the way I'm, that's the way I'm looking at it today, okay? But, but here's the thing. When we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, there ought to be some things that happen in your life that you can talk about. Peter and John were told to stop talking about Jesus in Acts chapter 4. We read this about a month ago in our service. And what was their response to this? We can't, help stop, we can't stop talking about the things that we've seen and heard. Don't you understand what I've experienced in my life? This is the real deal. I'm not gonna stop talking about it, right? And that, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, don't be intimidated by this really, really long book called the Bible, and you're like, oh, I could never read this whole book. Yes, you can. You can read, if you can watch a whole Netflix series in two days, you can read the Bible. And nobody expects you to read it in two days. Three chapters, four chapters a day, you can get it done in a year, okay? And there's different reading programs. Listen, I i love this. This is a really, I love, this is one of my favorite Bibles I've owned. I've owned a few Bibles. I gave a Bible to one of my buddies this week. But I read my Bible most of the time on my tablet or on my phone, and I use um, uh, version, and I'm in different Bible reading programs. I try to read the Bible at least twice a year, and this year I'll read it three times. And, because I need it. I'm not... say, wow, that's really great. No, I need all the help I can get. That's why I read the Bible as much as I can. So I'm not trying to make myself sound better than anybody. But here's the thing about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a believer in Jesus, right, like number one, if you are experiencing him fully in your life, which we ought to be every single day at some level, whether we're asking him for help, asking him for guidance, or asking him for forgiveness, one of the three, it happens to all of us all the time, then number three, we, we, it, there, we, there should be something in our life where we don't want to stop talking about it. Like, hey, what's going on in your life? Gun control. Really? That's, that's the thing you want to camp on this week and talk about? How about God's grace in your life? How about God's goodness in our life today? And, and, and you, you, you shouldn't, if you're a believer in Jesus, first of all, say amen. amen. You don't have to look far for blessings in your life. But we always see the, the, the. Here's our. We focus on the blessings that other people have that we want instead of being thankful for the ones that we do have. Man, I wish. Man, if I had what they had, man, I would be a really good Christian God, right? If I had. I could really, really. Do some great things for the kingdom. If I had the money that they had, or if I had the car that they had, or if I had the ha- or if I had the gifts that she had, or if I had the stuff that they had, right? We always look out and we compare, we compare, we compare, instead so of saying God. Because, and you know what happens when we compare? We look like fools. It says in Second Corinthians chapter ten. But when we compare, here's what we're saying to God: You're not doing enough for me. I need more. And God already gave you His best in His Son Jesus. And then even on top of that he says every good thing that happens in your life the book of James every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and the father of lights within whom there's no one. we can't even understand it but if you are a believer in Jesus i want to encourage you today fully experiencing him in your life make him a part of your life every single day reading your word praying spending some time in devotions getting a good life group be faithful to the lord's house this summer and when you travel, watch online if you can't get to a church. And when you travel, if you can't get to a good church, go to a great church. Take all their stuff in the pew in front of you and bring it back to us. We can get good ideas for our church, okay? Don't mess up getting together with other believers this summer because we need that. And then when God's doing great things in your life, instead of debating with people online about stupid political stuff, tell them about how good God is. Don't tell them how good you are. Well, I was in church today, where were you? Oh, that makes me want to go to church. I love statements of judgment because that really makes me want to change my life, right? Talk about how good God is. Talk about how much you need him. Talk about how much he blesses. Throw a verse up there every once in a while, right, that you read and you're like, man, that's a good verse. And if you're on version, you can be super lazy and post verses. That's a good verse. You click it, you hit another button that says send, it goes to Instagram, it hits send, and you're like the most spiritual person on your block in your neighborhood. Man, I'm putting verses up. I'm a gladiator for God. But here's the thing. Should, the gospel means good news, right? The good news of Jesus. The good. Shouldn't we be bearers of good news if Christ has made a difference in our life? So John, here's what John's doing. You gotta understand what he did for you. I saw it. He did it for me. But here's the thing. He did it for you so let's experience it together amen and let's not stop talking about the goodness of jesus this week church amen let's pray father we love you you are so good to us lord forgive me forgive me first forgive all of us lord when we're remiss in thank you the way we should lord when we compare lord when we are ungrateful lord thank you for this great book in the new testament that you gave us to strengthen our faith, to give a defense of the gospel, and to also get us psyched up about telling people about the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to learn some great stuff this summer. I pray that we'll make a very, very genuine effort to be as church as much as we can this summer, Lord. And if not, connecting online when we do go out of town. We love it when people are with their families on vacation, but we don't want to skip Sundays for being tired or skip Sundays to cut our grass, or we want to be faithful to the house of God for you first and foremost, Lord, because of what your son did for us. And frankly, Lord, because we need it. We need to be fed. We need to be encouraged. We need to fellowship. And I pray that that would happen all throughout the summer here at Warehouse Church. Thank you for new friends that visited today. I pray, Lord, as they're coming, checking this church out, that they would just walk right in and feel like family, Lord, and they would feel that today. We love you so much and thank you for your word. Father, if anybody in our auditorium is with us today, that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the very first thing that we talked about, your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, you can by praying and inviting Him to be your Lord and Savior today. And that prayer goes just like this. You ask, you tell God that you believe in His Son, Jesus. You invite Jesus to be your Savior and you ask Him to live in you and you ask Him to help you to live for Him. You say, Pastor Ed, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus today. Then you pray this prayer with me to God. You don't have to say it out loud. Just say it right where you're sitting, whether you're watching online or sitting in our beautiful auditorium this morning. Just say this to God. Just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I'm sorry. Father, please forgive me of all my sin in my life. Would you come into my heart and save me? help me to live for you I believe in your son Jesus I believe that he died so that I can be forgiven and I believe he's alive today and I want to be with you forever thank you for loving me thank you for saving me I pray this in Jesus name everybody keep your eyes closed just for a second I pray this in Jesus name amen Hey, while we're just in a prayer for spirit this morning, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, inviting Christ to come into your heart, would you just quietly, right where you're sitting, just lift your arm up up in the air that I might see you, acknowledge you, and I'll remember you in prayer this week. Pastor, I pray for me. I invited Jesus into my heart today. Anybody like that today? Hey, if you prayed that prayer online, shoot us an email to hello at warehousechurch.com, and we will respond promptly. And church, let me encourage you this week. Let me encourage you. Experience. Experiencing Jesus daily means you doing something. That means you pursuing him. Pursue him this week. Pursue him today. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said it with me. Amen. Hey, we're glad you're here today.